working on Mondays. Is the man, is the man, watch that. Is the man, is the man, watch that. Is the man, is the man, watch that podcast. Hey, this is the Matt Watch That Podcast, the place for reviews, rants, and randomness. I'm your host, Matt Sarosky, filmmaker, film fan. Each episode, I'm going to watch a movie or TV pilot that I probably should have seen but never got around to. It could be a recent favorite, critic's choice, or cult classic. Everyone can join in on the fun. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed or suggestions as to what I should see next, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Before we start, this month we're going to be celebrating Halloween each and every week with movies from different decades. Yes, I know it's overkill, but it's my favorite holiday, and I honestly don't understand how anyone could dislike it. You get to dress up, you get candy, Sure, you might have to worry about those razor blades and the cupcakes, but otherwise, it's a good time. And there's going to be a bonus episode of the Matt Watch That podcast, because Halloween actually falls on the last Monday of the month, which I usually take off, but come on, how can I pass up that opportunity? So if you enjoy horror movies, this is right down your alley. If you don't, hopefully it won't be a huge slog. On to the main attraction. Each review will end with a ranking out of five stars. One star is Skip It, two stars Watch at Your Own Risk, three stars Standard Fair, four stars Worth Checking Out, and five stars Must See. Now if I give a title five stars, it doesn't mean I'm comparing it to Casablanca, Jaws, or Seinfeld. I rank titles based on other movies or TV series in that genre and at that time period. So let's jump into it. These are my ruminations and observations of the movie. The Blob, from 1958. Ah, yes, a classic. So how'd I miss it? Well, outside of the obvious, I'd recently seen the 1988 version with Shawnee Smith and Kevin Dillon, and thought I'd give a crack at the original. It was directed by Erwin S. Yeworth Jr., that's a bit of a mouthful, who helmed 4D Man, Dinosaurs, and Way Out. There were uncredited shots by Russell S. Doden Jr., who was a producer on the movie. The screenplay was co-written by Theodore Simonson, who scribed 4D Man, and Kay Linkler, a character actor who scribed episodes of Lux Video Theater, Riverboat, and Bronco. It was based on an original idea by Irvine H. Milgate. Boy, these are, these are some names. This is something to look out for. The blob gets increasingly redder the more victims it consumes. The movie stars Steve McQueen as Steve Andrews. He was born in Indiana but raised in Missouri by his maternal grandparents. When he was eight, his mother came back into the picture, but his new stepfather was abusive and he left home. Living on the streets at the age of nine, he fell in with gangs and committed crimes. He bounced between homes, continuing his rebellious streak, until a court order sent him to an all-boys private school. He was given permission by his mother to serve in the United States Marine Corps at the age of 17. After he was honorably discharged in 1950, he started studying theater, and soon appeared in various television shows from 1952 to 1958. The Blob would be his second feature-length credit, and he would be cast in leading roles in The Magnificent Seven, The Great Escape, Bullet, and was nominated for a 1976 Academy Award for The Sand Pebbles. He would star in the television series Wanted, Dead or Alive for three seasons, 94 episodes. Anita Corsat portrays Jane Martin. 
She went to Northwestern University, majoring in drama. She dropped out and moved to New York City to pursue a career in acting. The Blob was her first feature-length role, and while she appeared uncredited in three movies, including Blazing Saddles, she found more success on the television in episodes of The Law and Mr. Jones, The Gertrude Berg Show, Gunsmoke, Death Valley Days, and most notably, playing Helen Crump on The Andy Griffith Show. The movie opens with a teenage couple necking in a car near the top of a hill. They abruptly stop when Jane becomes uncomfortable, believing she's just another notch in Steve's belt, but he assures her that he's never brought another girl up here before. As she starts to come around, they witness a meteorite fall from the sky and hear an explosion. It was close and Steve wants to see if they can find it. Now, I have to stop the summary for a moment to get on record that I've written an animated screenplay where the opening teaser is very similar to this scene, but this is literally the first time I've ever watched The Blob. So it's completely coincidental, and I'm not changing it. The rewrite would take like three years. Okay, so Barney, the old man, comes out of his cabin to investigate. He comes across a round planetoid object that has made a large indentation in the ground. When he pokes it with a stick, come on, has anything good ever come out of poking something with a stick? The space object cracks open to reveal a gooey substance inside. He pokes it with a stick, again... Some of the remnant stays on the wood, and the substance grabs onto the old man's hand. He tries to wipe it off, but it begins to burn. He screams in agony, running off. Steve and Jane stop the car momentarily to see if they can spot where the meteorite landed, but when nothing is in sight, he asks if she wants to go into town for a sandwich. Boy, this is some hot date. As they drive down the highway, the old man darts across the street, and they stomp on the brakes. Steve finds the man lying on the side of the road, and assists him into the car, agreeing to take him to Dr. Hallen. On their way, Steve honks the horn at another car and quickly passes them. The hooligans inside get offended by these actions and chase after. Steve and Jane pull up to the office and assist the old man inside. When the doctor removes the clothing covering his arm, it's revealed that the affected area had gotten larger. It's no longer just on his hand. Dr. Hallen gives him a shot and asks that Steve go back to where they found him and see if they can find someone who knows what happened. As Steve and Jane leave, they're greeted by the hooligans who have removed his hubcap. Well, this means war. The leader, Tony Grissetti, challenges him to a race, but before Steve can take a victory lap, Lieutenant Dave Barton comes across the scene, but with a promise of no more horseplay, he lets them leave. Afterwards, Steve and Jane meet up with the hooligans, who don't seem to be that hoolerific. In fact, they seem a bit friendly towards each other, so maybe this was some kind of 50s hazing ritual that I'm not aware of, and together they go to the spot where they met the old man. Meanwhile, Dr. Hallen calls Nurse Kate back into the office and decides to amputate his arm. When they approach the old man, he's been consumed by the blob, but this won't be its final victim. Here's a quote without context. Can I just dust around the fingerprints? The Blob was a fun B-movie. Don't expect more than that. It opened up with the Criterion Collection logo, which means you know you're watching the highest quality version of this film. The title sequence was really cool. They had red lines that looked like a topographical map. Very hypnotizing. I'll get to the theme song in a bit. The special effects were pretty good. I have a soft spot for these cheesy horror movies, but I have to imagine for the 1950s, this was pretty advanced. Granted, it did look like they just opened up a can of cranberry sauce. The brightest spot of the movie for me was the pacing. That's what's great about older films. We're seven minutes into the movie and we've already had our first encounter with the blob. 
and it's already attacked its first victim. From there, the movie doesn't let up. The acting is decent, and I know this is a common practice in Hollywood movies, but they all look like they were in their 30s. I mean, it kind of puts Grease to shame, but overall, I think it's a really decent movie. Now for a little trivial trivia. The movie that the teenagers go see in the theater is called Daughter of Horror, which has narration done by Ed McMahon, sidekick of Johnny Carson on The Tonight Show. The cinematography was captured by Thomas E. Spaulding, whose filmography includes Blackjack, Happiness Is, and Island of Blood. It was edited by Alfred Hillman, who only has one other credit as associate producer for Thunder and Dixie. Wonder what happened to him? The score was composed by Ralph Carmichael, who wrote the music for The Heart is a Rebel, for Pete's Sake, and episodes of My Mother the Car. The soundtrack featured one song called The Blob, which was co-written by Burt Bacharach and Mac David, and performed by Bernie Nee. It reached number 33 on the Billboard chart. The music sounds like it would be most appropriate in an elevator, and the lyrics are so stupid, tongue firmly planted in cheek, but they've been in my head for the last three days now. The runtime is 1 hour 26 minutes. Ah, chef's kiss. It had a budget of 110000 and grossed $4 million at the box office. It was included in the AFI's 2001 list of top 100 most heart-pounding American movies. I give it 3.5 out of 5 stars. If you've seen The Blob and have opinions on the movie, let me know what you think using the hashtag MattWatchThat. Moving right along... Each episode, I'm going to post clips that I think people should watch. It could be movie trailers, music videos, interviews, or something completely random. Search for my YouTube page and there will be a playlist called Matt Watch That Playback. Basketball is my third favorite sport to watch, behind baseball and football. For a while, I lost interest because the Knicks were terrible. Or as Charles Barkley would say, terrible. In the 2000s, you could give me a name and I wouldn't be able to tell you if he were a New York Knick or a Denny's employee. But when they signed Amari Stoudemire, I thought for a moment, hey, we have a chance. And I started watching again. They had some young talent in Danilo Gallinari, Raymond Felton. They played well together in Mike D'Antoni's pick-and-roll offense. Then they pilfered the entire team for Carmelo Anthony in his isolation offense and still couldn't bring home a championship. Now normally... I prefer watching games on MSG Network. I like the announcers, their rapport, though I do have to put on sunglasses for Walt Frazier's outfits. But I don't mind when games are on TNT, because Ernie Johnson and Kenny Smith provide insightful analysis, and Charles Barkley and Shaq are hilarious together. To prove this point, I found a compilation of clips from NBA on TNT of the two roasting each other. It's available in the Matt Watch That Playback playlist on YouTube. Check it out. Now it's time for the recommendation. Yes, that's the word recommendation with Matt in the middle. I'm going to end each podcast with my own recommendation of a movie or TV series. Today I'm talking about Tales from the Crypt, created by Stephen Dodd based on the comic books by William Gaines. It's an anthology series featuring horror, suspense, and dark comedy stories. It was most notable for hiring high-profile directors, Toby Hooper, Russell Mulcahy, William Friedkin, Mary Lambert, and John Frankenheimer, and both established and upcoming stars, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Brad Pitt, Demi Moore, Ewan McGregor, Joe Pesci, Tim Curry, Whoopi Goldberg, Tom Hanks, John Lithgow, Jada Pinkett, and many more. 
It was produced by some heavy hitters, Joel Silver, Richard Donner, Robert Zemeckis, Walter Hill, and David Geiler. The theme music was composed by Danny Elfman. If you didn't know that, once you heard the first couple notes, it's unmistakably Elfman. The series was hosted by The Crypt Keeper, an animatronic puppet who basically looked like a Rick Scott, Nancy Pelosi love child. He's never without a bad pun. Heads I win, tails you ooze. It was voiced by actor and comedian John Kasser, who is married to Julie Benz, who appeared in the somewhat horror series Dexter. Tales from the Crypt was on for seven seasons, 93 episodes, from 1989 to 1996. The series was on HBO, so there was plenty of adult language and violence. There were two spin-off movies, Demon Knight and Bordello of Blood. There were two spin-off series, the children's animated Tales from the Crypt Keeper, and the children's game show Secrets of the Crypt Keeper's Haunted House. And if you didn't hear that correctly, yes, both were geared towards children. It was based on the comic book series, which ran from 1950 to 1955, and previously had one movie called Tales from the Crypt in 1972. I really enjoyed this series. I probably shouldn't have been watching it at the age I was watching it, but I turned out all right. <laughs> Overall, a really solid series. Unfortunately, it's not streaming anywhere right now, but if you look on YouTube, you might be able to find a couple of episodes. Let's keep that between us. That's all for this edition of Matt Watch That. Thanks for listening to me babble. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed or suggestions as to what movie or TV pilot I should see, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Head over to MattSaroski.com for the latest news and updates. And come back next time for the reviews, rants, and randomness. The movie that the teenagers go see in the theater is called Doctor... No, it's not Doctor... No, no doctors in it at all. It had a budget of $110 million. No, not, not even close. <laughs> Granted, the blob did look like you just opened up a can of cranberry juice. Cranberry is a cranberry juice with cranberry sauce. Cranberries. <laughs>